Chapter Twelve of A Prairie Schooner Princess by Mary Catherine Mall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve: A Nebraska Dugout. With the roar of a tornado, the prairie fire swept down upon them. The high grass, dry as tinder after the long hot spell, burned as if covered with turpentine. The tall rosin weeds and sunflowers blazing like torches sent up showers of sparks that the wind carried through the air setting fresh fires and raining down upon the travelers burning their clothes and singeing their faces and hair once mrs peniman's calico apron caught fire but she tore it off and trampled it under her feet at times it looked as if the wall of flame must leap the narrow boundary of burned-over ground and sweep down upon them destroying them all in the roaring furnace that raced toward them the heat grew fiercer the horses screamed and tugged at their halters the cow bellowed pitifully and the little pigs at the back of the wagon squealed as if the knife of the executor were at their throats for a moment the flame seemed to fairly tower over them hissing and crackling in its wrath would it leap the backfire the hearts of the pioneers almost stopped breathing an agonized prayer went up from the hearts of the parents that they and their little ones might be spared then the wall of flame flickered fell and swept on around them their backfire had saved them with cracked and parching lips they uttered prayers of thanksgiving and worn out with the struggle let sacks and brooms drop from their nerveless hands and stood still they realized now for the first time the extent of their exhaustion they felt the pain of their burnt hands their scorched faces their parched and burning throats daylight came before they were able to realize the fact that they were saved the broadening light revealed a sad and dismal prospect if the prairie had seemed monotonous to them before in its sombre dress of gray and brown and green it seemed desolate beyond all description now covered as far as the eye could see with a pall of funereal blackness suffering as they were with burns and thirst it was noon before the ground was cool enough so they could drive over the still smoking prairies all the afternoon they drove straining their eyes in every direction for the sight of a town a house a sign of shade and water as fast as possible they veered away from the burned district and about sundown got out of the track of the fire and on to the brown dry prairies back of them and far away to the south and east they could still see the devastating trail of the fire but away to the north and west the wind had turned the direction of the flames and the prairie remained untouched by its fury it was a tremendous relief to escape from the scorched and blackened ground the stifling smell of burnt grass the acrid smoke that made their eyes smart and water and their throats sting and to drive out on the unscorched prairies which hot as they were seemed cool in comparison it was nearing nightfall when they saw not far away a small column of smoke rising in the air joshua peniman scanned it with eager eyes it might be an indian camp said his wife anxiously 
white men are red we must have water to-night he said and drove on as they drew nearer they saw a low squat outline against a small rise in the ground and from it rose a stove-pipe from which the smoke they had seen was coming what is it called joe is it an indian's hut no thank god cried joshua peniman fervently no indians live there it must be a dugout and if it is white people are living in it he clucked to the horses and drove eagerly forward as they approached the low dark object they saw that it had a roof and that the sides were dug back in the rise of ground behind it they could also see that it had two windows in front and a door which was thrown open as they drew nearer and a tall raw-boned red-haired woman with a good-natured freckled face stood framed in the opening wall of all things she ejaculated if it ain't a bunch of immigrants hello mister where'd you come from from ohio called out joshua peniman and made all possible haste toward the dugout as the wagon drew up before the door she looked at its occupants then laughed aloud for the land's sake she cried what be ye are ye niggers or mexicans or portuguese or what we're americans and white said mr peniman laughing as he leaped from the wagon at least we were white once and we hope to be again we've just escaped with our lives from a terrible prairie fire and are covered with its smoke and grime lord save us ejaculated the woman was you in the track of that fire we've been watching it all day we was scared it might catch us but the wind warn't in the right direction them prairie fires is terrible things we mighty nigh got burned out last fall we used all the water we had fighting the fire mr peniman continued and are all suffering from thirst i wonder if you could let us have a little drinking water can i well i should say i could me and jim never turned a thirsty man or woman or horse or dog away from our place yet get out get out all ye we've got a good well and you can have all the water you want to drink and wash up too and i will say you sure do need it the travelers came scampering out of the wagon and there were tears of relief and gratitude in hannah peniman's eyes jim a husky-looking pioneer over six feet tall with a good-humored sunburned face and a shock of tow-colored hair sticking up through a hole in his hat came hurrying up at this moment drawn from his work in his cornfield nearby by the unwanted sight of a caravan of moving wagons before his door as he came he cast a sharp inquiring look at the company of sooty grimy individuals gathered before his dugout we aren't quite such desperate characters as we appear saluted joshua peniman with his pleasant smile we have barely escaped with our lives from a prairie fire had to use all the water we had and have had no chance to wash my name is peniman joshua peniman a quaker from the muskingum valley in ohio and these are my wife and children glad to meet you mr peniman said the pioneer extending a hairy work-worn hand so you was in the track of that fire was ye 
say i wonder if you ever got out alive it was sure a fire all right me and the old woman been watchin it thought for a spill it might come this way but the wind favored us glad you got through it all right you sure have got a likely lookin family my name's ward jim ward been out here goin on three years homesteaded a piece of land back here that you can't beat in the whole nation travelin across country been pretty hot ain't it but that's what makes good corn we're going to have a hummer of a crop this season but come in come in you sure do look all tuckered out wife'll get you chairs and i'll go out and draw some fresh water i reckon you must be dry when the thirst of the family had been satisfied they felt greatly refreshed and for the first time began to look about them mrs ward saw the curious glances the young people were casting about the queer-looking underground house and burst into a good-natured laugh i bet you folks ain't never seen a dugout before she exclaimed jovially well it's sure a queer way to live but me and jim think it's a good way to begin with we ain't always going to live this way but a dugout's safe from cyclones and blizzards and indians and it's warm in the winter and cool in the summer and what more does a pioneer want i see that it has great advantages said joshua peniman gazing with interest about the dwelling do you see how it is done hannah you see they have chosen a place where there is a rise in the ground and have dug back into the earth so that the house is protected on every side but the front you have had to build up side walls of course where the earth slopes away and a front wall but that was all i see how safe and sheltered it must be both from the weather and possible enemies yes and a feller has to think a heap about both of them out here said jim ward standing with his hands in his pockets and his legs wide apart as the travellers admired his dwelling the excavation which was about twenty by thirty feet square was dug back into the bank of a piece of rolling ground on the prairie and made into a chamber about nine feet high the entire rear part of the dwelling was protected by the embankment and a part of the sides while a stout thick wall of sods was built up on the sides and in front in which was let a door and two windows an ivy vine was trained up over the window casements clean white curtains shaded the spotless panes which had broad seals upon which were placed pots of geraniums in full bloom the floor was made of matched flooring and was as white as hands could make it with braided rag rugs spread before the shining stove and the red covered table upon which were a bible a vase of wild flowers and a shining lamp in a corner of the room was a large double bed made up with a spotless blue and white patchwork counterpane and shams elaborately worked in red cotton with good night on one pillow and good morning on the other at the other end of the room was a shining cook stove with a tea kettle steaming cosily upon it and a row of packing cases which had been placed one on top of another and cleverly converted into a kitchen cupboard it's wonderfully clean and cosy and comfortable looking exclaimed mrs peniman i wonder how you keep it so 
I would not dream that a house just dug into the ground could be so attractive. Lots of em ain't, vouchsafed Jim Ward. Some of the folks that come out here is content to live like pigs. But me and Mary ain't. She always was a good housekeeper, and she keeps this place so nice I sometimes almost forget we live in a dugout. Now you quit talking, Jim, put in Mary, and go and draw up a tub full of fresh water. I reckon these folks don't want nothing so much in this world as a bath. I'll set a wash tub out in the back yard, and when it comes dark you can all take a bath. I should think you could begin now with the little fellers. One after another the Peniman family slipped out and took their turn in the tub in the back yard, and it was indeed a cleansed and changed family that gathered at last on the front stoop as jim ward facetiously called the hard beaten place before the door when supper was over they sat on the stoop until the moon rose listening eagerly to the many curious and interesting tales the pioneer homesteader and his wife had to tell has thee ever been troubled with indians friend ward asked joshua peniman a bit anxiously no answered the pioneer we ain't never had any trouble with em a lot of the settlers has but we always figured it was their own fault we've been living out here three years now and we never had a thing stolen or molested or a bit of trouble ourselves but why haven't you demanded joe when the others have because i always figured on treatin the indians like they was human some folks treat em worse'n dogs good land this is their country ain't it they was here first us folks that comes in now is just takin what they've owned for god knows how many years ain't it so yes said joshua peniman it is i have always felt so but we have so often been warned of danger and there is danger don't ye ever forget that some of these here indians is bad medicine they're mad about having white settlers come in and they'll plug ye the first chance they get but i figure that indians is just like other folks some is bad and some good they're all just human me and mary has always thought if we treated them all right they'd treat us right so far it's worked out all right during the long talk that mr peniman had with jim ward after the women and children had retired to get ready for bed he discussed land and locations and when the family set forth the next morning it was with the firm intention of going to the northwestern part of nebraska where the land along the neobrara was particularly recommended and where there were still thousands of acres of government land to be homesteaded upon for the choice they bade their kind host and hostess a reluctant good-bye, and having promised that they would write them when they had arrived at their destination, they started on, turning to wave their hands again and again to the last white people they were to see for many a long day. End of chapter 12